Welcome to the Live Exposed podcast. This is the podcast that is designed to help you break free from the fake life you've been living and live in actual freedom, the life you were actually meant to live. We're so glad you tuned in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do love what we're talking about, please hit the subscribe button, follow us. Also, uh, be sure to share this podcast with your friends and family and help them experience the life that they were meant to live. So, here to help you navigate your path to freedom is the host of the Live Exposed podcast, Mr. Reggie Brock. Well, hello again and welcome to this episode of Live Exposed. I'm Reggie Brock. Guys, this is episode number 20. Um, I'm surprised as some of you are, honestly, but what keeps me going is the results that I'm hearing that are coming from your life. You know, I'm, I'm regularly hearing back from folks who've taken some of these principles and applying it to their life. And I mean, things haven't changed completely, but they're in the process of it. And things are being broken out of their lives that have been lodged deep within them that they've not spoken of. They've um, hidden for years that are now being exposed to light and oxygen because they've had the courage to reveal them and they're being set free from them and they're walking away from them once and for all. And that's all I've ever wanted out of this podcast for you guys to experience some of the same um, breakthroughs that I've had in my life through this word that's going forward week after week after week after week. And today's going to be no different. I'm starting a series today on a subject that I have entitled Life Lacks That Sabotage Our Behavior. A little bit of tongue twister there, but let me take just a minute and explain what I mean. I think that in all of our lives, there are lacks that are creating deficits. And what I mean by lacks is those things in us that are just not enough. I mean, we need more of to, to, to be able to perform better and just actually be better as individuals. You know, there's deficits in our life. Deficits are just shortages. They're disadvantages. They're impairments or handicaps that we all have that are just stonewalling us against what is really prepared for us that we just can't walk into. And I I mean, all of us have these. The question is, is how deep and how long have they been there and what does it take to get rid of them so that you can walk in freedom? That's what I want. I was tired of being captive to these internal um, hindrances and challenges that were the result of pain or rejection or failure or whatever it may be that I pushed down and hid in my own life so that nobody for sure would ever see them because they were embarrassing to me. Or I felt like that people might judge me as not as, you know, important or valuable to them as I was prior to them knowing something about me deep. You know, we live in a very surface world. Because we're afraid to interact with people intimately where we just want them to know us and we want to know them. And we're, we don't, we just don't want to be vulnerable with anybody because of, again, a a fear of, of being hurt once again, once and for all. But I'm telling you those feelings and those issues that are in you are the deficits that you have to get rid of. And These are the things that we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. These life lacks, these deficits, these shortcomings, these disadvantages, these handicaps that we all have in our lives that we just need tools and we need 
understanding about how to deal with so we can walk away from them for so long. Because here's what I do know. These life lacks really expose our deficits of character, number one, and reveal clearly our weakness to the world around us. We try not for it to reveal itself, <laughs> but lack has a way of surfacing. Deficits have a way of surfacing. Our shortcomings have a way of surfacing. And I'm not telling you to embrace them and just accept them, but I'm telling you today you've got to acknowledge them because until you acknowledge them and come acknowledge them and come face to face with the truth and determine and find a way somehow to get these deficits removed and ample resource provided to you so that those deficits can become actual strengths of yours you're just going to wander around aimlessly and never find solutions to your problems this series starting today will focus on these major lacks in our lives these deficits that are fueling our mistakes listen to me and really providing through this series some insights on how to deal with the deficits the lacks and turn them actually into strengths. I've seen it happen in my life, and it can happen to yours. You see, these fueled lacks, if you will, all they do is they cause us, because of the deficit, to probably make bigger mistakes than we'd anticipated ma making. And I'm going to tell you how that happens as we continue on today. So at the top right off the bat at the top of my list of life lacks is the subject of my conversation today. And that is no doubt the lack of self-control. I have been one who has not done well in my life in the past when it comes to maintaining self-control and it's affected my dignity, my care, my character, uh, my integrity, and um, I got tired of it. And so some of you can already relate to this because let me tell you something. When you lack self-control, you lack the ability to really affect positively your outcome in life because you have no control over it. And so for me, I was so emotional and most of it was tied back to scars in my life and feelings that were tied back to 20 years ago, somebody hurt me or somebody 30 years ago or 40 years ago, somebody damaging me and it leaving a scar. And every time I look at that scar is a remembrance of who did it, when and where and how. And always associated with that thought comes the next one. And that is, how do I never allow that to happen again? And what I say to myself is I'm going to control my environment. And the reality of it is it's actually the opposite. With these feelings and these emotions that are tied back to my scars, I never get free, not just from the scar, but the feelings and the emotions that are, that are associated with it because it constantly fuels me and protects me, if you will, in some weird way. Because I feel like if I get angry or I get agitated or I get, I'm defensive or I, I, you know, I'm, I'm putting up a shield around me, that protects me from anything like that ever happening to me again. It's a mechanism. And the fact of the matter is I'm not in control. I'm totally out of control because of that scar and that pain and every feeling associated with it. 
And some of you today who are hearing my voice think this defensive stance you're taking is God-given in some cases. I'm just protecting myself. And the fact of the matter is you're only exasperating the problem because no way have you ever been able to separate the scar from the feeling and the pain and the emotions associated with it. You can't get past it. So it's easy to go like, oh, yeah, that's a scar. I remember when it was there. I remember, you know, I, I remember how it happened. I remember who did it. But, yeah, I've kind of moved on. It's easy to say that with our mouth, but never believe it in our hearts because these feelings just rise up and that we become emotional again. It's just like we were there 40 years ago today. It's that same rush inside of you. And for me, it was just out of control. So that's what I did. I used it as a coping mechanism as a defense strategy, if you will, that I wasn't going to let anybody do that to me again. And to me, it was like, oh, I'm controlling myself. And the fact of the matter is I was totally out of control. And some of you have built walls around you that you think are protecting you, but they're only boxing in the emotions and the feelings that are associated with those scars in your life. And they're not being set free. They're just repositioning yourself every day in your life. And they're not going away. These walls have to be broken down so that this poison can once and for all get out of your system. And I know that's hard medicine to take, but I believe it to be the case. When I turned that lack and that deficit around, and the way I did it is by choosing different. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But I, I really came to a conclusion that I really do control me. I couldn't continually blame people for 40 years ago of a mistake. And I mean, mistake does not reduce uh, the pain it put on me. I'm just using it as a term. The mistake that happened that created the pain in me, eventually I've got to let that go to move on. And I control that. I control the throttle of giving and taking in my life. Nobody else does. Being out of control for any reason keeps me and I think in many of you in fear when there's chaos around us and there's turbulence constant in our head and there's just this, this consistent uncertainty of what lies ahead and much of it is because we're believing what lies ahead based upon what our feelings and our emotions are telling us listen deeply to me some of you are believing a bad report because all you know to draw from is the feelings and the emotions that are, that are attached to the life you've lived before and the pain that's been associated with it. Can I tell you today, all of the fear that you have can be eliminated. All of the apprehension you have about the future can be gone, but not until you disassociate your feel or control your feelings and emotion. Listen, about today. I'm not telling you that you, you don't still hurt about what happened years ago. I'm not saying that. I think forgiving doesn't necessarily have anything to do with forgetting. But what I am telling you is that you'll stay captive. You'll stay in bondage. You'll keep chained to that pain of the past as long as your feelings and your emotions run wild. And I know it's easier said than done. But I'm just telling you from my perspective, I wanted confidence in my future. I wanted hope in my future. I wanted to live out of my strengths, not my weaknesses. To do that, 
Reggie Brock had to get his emotions and feeling in check. I had to control my emotions and my feelings and them not control me. So what is self-control? And is self-control the same as self-discipline? And I'll tell you, they're not exclusively connected, but they co-labor together for good in our life. <laughs> Think about that. So self-control and self-discipline are two different things, but they're co-laborers together for goodness in our life. They work hand in hand, and let me show you how. So self-control, as I've mentioned, is the ability really to control our emotions and our desires, especially when the pressure's turned up. Listen, we all are in control to when pressure is exerted. Temptation is put before us. Challenges rise up against us to cause us to get defensive. That's when our character is measured. That's when our deficits are revealed. There's where our life lacks are seen and broadcast to the world at large. So us getting a hold of and controlling our feelings and our emotions, especially in difficult times, is the first step toward progress. And getting your life back in order. It's so chaotic. And then the second thing you look at is once you kind of start mastering that, that's where self-discipline comes in. Because self-discipline excuse me, self -discipline is our ability to govern our actions. Listen, somebody's got to run your life. Somebody's got to govern through law and principle and requirement and accountability. Somebody's got to stand over you and say, Thus saith the Lord, so to speak. We're not going to do this. And guess who that is? Self-discipline requires it of you, yourself. Nobody else standing on the sidelines barking at you orders saying, hey, you need to do this. It has to be born inside and lived out. You've got to control your behavior. But until you get a hold of your emotions and your feelings, good luck. Because when your feelings start running amok, so to speak, and your emotions are like a live wire that's been set loose, still plugged up into electricity into your life, watch what happens. It's the chaos you're now experiencing. How are you going to adjust behavior when all you're sensing, feeling, and living every day and being led by is your feelings associated with pain, scars, difficulties, failures in your past? It's not going to work. It hasn't worked. So what makes you think it will because you've heard something new on a podcast for 30 minutes? You've got to get control of yourself. I can't control you. I can give you tips of things I've done, which I'm going to do. But you have got to determine that your feelings and your emotions are not going to run your life another day. And until that happens, behavior is at best a guess. Control your feelings and desires, and then you'll be able to simply simplify governing your actions and behaviors. Self-discipline and self-control are tandem companions for you to live a controlled and disciplined life that's run by you. Listen, the Bible talks clearly about a heart's the most deceptive thing that we have to fight every day. So you can't believe your, your heart. What I do is I believe the word of God in this case that instructs me on the proper behavior. Listen, if I'm going to stay controlled and live the life I'm called to live, which is as a man of God, seeking after what his word instructs me to be in the world in which I live, then I'm going to walk and think about things that will please him according to the word of God. 
you know, I want to walk in gentleness and peace and I want to walk in love. I want to be kind. I want to be generous. I want to be all of these fruits, so to speak, of that should be representative on a Christian's life, so to speak, that most of us, because we're out of control, don't give a rip about what anybody sees of us as long as we take care of ours and mine. And God forbid you come in and try to take something for me or from me. To control your feelings and desires and then governing your actions and behavior will be not easy, but a lot easier. So I started thinking over the last couple of days, what really triggers me to kind of get out of control? I had an interesting conversation because my out of control is this. I go to zero to hundred in a blink of an eye emotionally. I just, I can rev up quick. And so I thought everybody who's out of control is like me emotionally and their feelings. They, they just go to zero to hundred just quickly. Talked to a very dear friend of mine today. And he set the record straight for me because he has some emotional deficit in his life that takes him the other direction. Meaning he feels much less and is less emotional almost to the point of not having any. That's a deficit. So you see, it's not which side of the spectrum you're on that matters is you know whichever side you're on, you have lack and deficit in your life that needs to be dealt with. So for me, getting explosive was my strategy to defense. I'm going to fight until one of us just quits. And I promise you, if I've got breath in me, it's not going to be me. Especially if I even have a tinge of belief that I'm right. I'm going to fight and wear you down and I'm going to get explosive. And that's not a good thing. I've had to temper myself with customers who would call and cuss me out. And my instinct is, nope, we're not doing that. And in the past, I've told them that I've had coworkers who talk down to me and make me feel like, you know, they're that at least that's what I felt. I'm not looking back. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but again, that trigger, I go like, Oh, this is where we're going with this. And then, all the gloves go off and I have no fear of repercussion. Honestly, if you fire me, then fire me. If you love me, then love me. If you don't, then don't. It doesn't matter to me. Right now, I'm going to protect me. I'm going to take care of mine. And if you get in the way, you're going to go down with as much thrust as I can provide. It's going to be that aggressive. I don't have like a middle gear, like I get worked up. My buddy this morning is telling me, he's like, when I get into situations of conflict, I go the opposite direction. I just start losing feeling. I start losing emotion. I start losing the interest. So you see, there's, though they're different, they're the same. And that is, they are revealed, our deficits are revealed, whether explosive or lack of interest, whatever it is, it's a deficit. And it's causing this massive loss of the right behavior in all of our lives. Does any of this sounded familiar to you? Because I'm telling you, we lose control. Our deficits are revealed. Our shortcomings are presented to the world, so to speak. And what do we do? We tend to go on that blame game. We tend to start finding someone or something to blame. Listen, when I was 15 years old, I'm going to make this story short, but my dad, as I've told you, was a preacher. We went out to Deacon's house. So if you ever wonder 
why preachers' kids are the way they are. Look at the deacons' kids. They taught us everything we know. We go over, I'm in my teenage years. My dad's in pa pastoring in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm a huge baseball card, uh, St. Louis baseball, uh, the Cardinals baseball team. And um, at that time in particular, uh, go Braves. And then, um, but at that time, I would go over in, in St. Louis, there were a lot of houses with basements. And, you know, they would put the kids down in the, you know, the basement and watch TV, play games, whatever we do. And then the parents were upstairs doing adult, you know, having adult conversations, didn't want the kids up in the way, which, you know, I don't blame them. But just as long as you put me behind a TV, in front of a TV with the Cardinals on, on a Saturday night, I was good with it. So I was down there minding my own business, my own business. And the deacon had a deacon had a son that was a few years younger than me, but he was just one of those kids that were annoying. I mean, just like, he just, he just pestered you and constantly just, you know, just drive. And all I wanted to do was to watch the Cardinals play baseball. That's it. I wouldn't call. I wouldn't ask him for food. I didn't, I just let me watch the Cardinals. He just kept on. Finally, I turned to him and said, look, dude, keep it up. If you don't, if you keep it up, I'm going to punish you. And even back then, I felt some of these emotions start rising up in me on something as irrelevant as the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team. Now, if you're in St. Louis, I'm not saying they're irrelevant. I'm just saying for me, in the big scope of things, really shouldn't have been something I got so worked up over. But I did. Finally, I broke. He kept on me. I tackled him. I pushed him down. I had his face buried in the floor. And back then, shag carpet was really, really um, popular. I didn't think anything about it. I took his face, I buried it, and I just started running it around in the carpet. And finally, I let him come up for air. When I looked at him, I realized he had braces on that were full now of shag carpet. And now he's crying. And I'm thinking, okay, well, then you're going to stop now, aren't you? I let him loose. He ran upstairs. And the next thing I hear is my dad saying, get in the car. I didn't need to ask him who you're talking to. I knew who he was talking to. We jumped up, my sister and I, we went upstairs, got in the car, silence all the way home for about 15 minutes. We get home. My dad tells my mother and my sister, get out of the car, and then he locks the door. Folks, when a dad in a garage late at night locks the door in your car, it ain't a good sign. And it wasn't for me. And my dad asked me a question that to this day I've never forgotten. And he said these words to me. He said, son, didn't yell, he didn't scream. He said, son, I got but one question for you. Why did you do it? Now, guys, I didn't have to think about, well, what's he talking about? What did I do? I knew exactly what he was asking me. Why did I take that kid's face and bury it in, this, in the shag carpet? And so immediately I, I, I gave the answer I've been preparing for for the 15-minute ride. And my answer was this, dad, the devil made me do it. <laughs> it was the devil that made me do it. And all of a sudden, he unlocks the doors. I'm like, oh, wow, I just got over on him because the devil was a good place and a good person or a thing supposedly to blame. We step out. I look up at him and he said, son, to make this right, I'm going to help you. I'm like, oh, awesome. I'm going to call him and apologize. He said, I want you to meet me in my closet and I want you to get down that big black belt of mine. And I want you to wait for me because I'm going to beat the devil out of you so that this never happens again. <laughs> and he did. 
Now, I know that's not politically correct to some, but in my days of growing up, kids still got spanked. Uh, and it, it meant something to me. But what meant something to me was not the spanking or the whipping. What meant something to me is I at that point learned that you can blame and you should blame for all of your indecision, uh, for all your bad decisions. Somebody's got to be blamed for it. Surely it couldn't be me. Now, what I realized is the devil that I blamed it on was really the devil in me, or it was me, that was just wanting what we wanted, and somebody was going to pay a price when I didn't get it, and that was that little boy. Listen, we blame stuff on, we blame stuff, any of our mistakes, any of our bad decisions, we're going to find somebody to blame. And what I have found out is the first step to fixing what is broken in me is facing the truth. My mistakes I own, I take responsibility for, and, I, and I'm willing to suffer the consequences for them. I'm not going to lie my way out of it by trying to blame somebody else. for. Now, listen, before I get these hate emails, I know there are people who have contributed to the bad things in your life. I get it. It's been there for me. I know it. I mean, I've been around it. There have been people who have hurt me, and I still have scars to prove it, and I still have feelings that sometimes pop up about it. But the fact is, I had to realize one day, this is on me to live the life I have to live, regardless of who's done what to me in the past. It's not no longer a blame game for me. It's something that I'm going to assume ownership for in my life. Some of you need to hear that today. Sometimes you just kept blaming and it's time to stop it. So I started looking at what are the triggers? What are the things that come on me that make me get out of control the quickest? I'm going to share those three things with you now. The first thing that I have found that makes me kind of quickly go from zero to 100 is when I feel emotionally overloaded. I'm just all at once jammed up by a lot of different things, and it just it draws on me my feelings and my emotions, especially if I feel like I'm being attacked. I get defensive and I get in fight mode and, and that it's hard for me to come off of that quickly. So I found out that I have to watch the people that are around me because I'll get undone and unfit and un, I'll get really aggressive when it comes to uh, dealing with people when I get overloaded emotionally. So you have got to keep yourself in boundary regarding how much you're letting come into your emotional bank, so to speak. So that you don't overreact. If you know it's coming, get out of it before it gets there. The second thing is, it probably puts two and three together, but I, I say this, I, when I get frustrated, I feel it welling up in me, This, these motions. And again, I point it back to my defense mechanism going like, okay, I've been here before. This ain't happening again. So how do I get over this? And I just get defensive it's through frustrations. And it simply put... It's just when I don't get my way or I don't get the way it's not going the way I wanted it to go. And then the third thing is not getting what I think I deserve. That'll put me on edge and that'll, and that'll make me start that engine to, so I can, you know, get to a hundred fast emotionally. If I, if, if I think you owe me more and you're not giving it to me, you're going to know it and it's going to cause a reaction that's way more than it should be. I did it because I wanted to 
for my judgments not to no longer be overtaken by emotions. The reason I'm specifically started looking at these three triggers triggers I talked about was because I didn't want that my ability to judge and to be more judgmental, more, I'm sorry, to be, you know, calmer when it came to making decisions. I didn't allow myself to do that because I was so quickly overtaken by emotions. Calm your emotions. Calm your feelings. And your life will take a different tone in a different direction. So really the real blame for me yielding my self-control was pretty clear. For me, it's when I get most out of control when I am drawn away by my own lust, guys. When I'm drawn away by my, my, my uncontrolled appetites for life, that things in life that don't belong to me. Because what you're hungry for, you will chase. I, it, it, these, I had this inability to simply say no to myself so that I could make the right decision. And so if you're hearing me today, the biggest fight you're going to have is with yourself and your own lust and your own appetites and your own desires. You got to cage them and control them or you'll, get a, you'll live a life so quick out of control your head will spin. It was me to blame for yielding and forfeiting my self-control. Finally, I want to leave you in the last minute or so with this information that I think can transform your life is how to regain self-control. The first thing that I would tell you is this. you got to practice the pause. And what I mean by that is you, know, you, you, you want to react slowly. It's not natural, but you need to learn to do that and practice that. The second thing is you've got to stop the blame game. I talked about that earlier, but eventually you have to let go. Uh, of, And this is where it's difficult, an Achilles heel for many of us. We just don't want to let things go. Blaming others in the past has energized me to protect myself. Uh, but I've, I've given up my, 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 my uh, victim card and it's expired and I've accepted that. The third thing is you got to measure your progress, reduce your efforts to the day, win the day, and you'll find quicker satisfaction and joy in your life. And the fourth thing finally is stay actively aware of the people and places in your life that provoke you to the wrong decisions. Guys, I love you. I appreciate being with me. I'll talk to you next week. If there's anything I can do, please reach out to me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Live Exposed with Reggie Brock. In fact, if you did, go ahead and rate the podcast and give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. We also would love if you subscribe to the podcast and also shared it with your friends and family. They would probably enjoy it as well. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week as we continue down the journey that leads to ultimate freedom through living the life that you were meant to live.